Let's Get Two presents Go, Go Astro! Go, Go Astros! A focus on H Town Hardball. I am the Watcher. I am your guide to new realities. Follow me. Dare to face the unknown and ponder the question What if? Last night in Boston, a little used Astros catcher hit a ground ball to right field that changed the reality of the ALCS Game 4 forever. But there is another reality, a reality where a strike three called isn't missed, and then the Boston Red Sox walk off the Astros in the ninth to the tune of Sweet Caroline. I observe all that transpires here, but I do not interfere, for I am the watcher. Or so Jeff Passan would like you to believe that, yes, there's apparently an alternate reality where that strike three called isn't missed and the Red Sox win and the networks celebrate and everyone's happy except for the city of Houston and no one cares about that city anyway. Uh, Yeah, this is Go Go Astros. I'm your host, James Christopher, and I'm actually really glad that this has become the focus and and no one's talking about the blown strike calls in in the first inning of the – game for the LCS where maybe two runs don't score or the fact that there was a blown strike three call before Luis Garcia gave up a grand slam in game two. The fact is, is that that's part of baseball. And I am a fan of the concept of the electronic strike zone because I don't like that it's part of baseball, but it is no baseball game comes down to one play. There were 280 something pitches, I think in that game last night. So No, not one determines any one reality. The fact is, is that uh, the chances are that the Astros hold the Red Sox in the ninth because they hadn't scored in the seven innings preceding it. And then they score in the 10th and win. I mean, we don't know what would happen. But again, I'm glad that this has become the topic of conversation because all it does is cement the fact that Houston is the forgotten team, the forgotten city, the city that no one thinks belongs here. Um, I made the mention the other day that no one would care about the Astros 2017 um, in indiscretions if it hadn't been for the fact that they beat the Red Sox, Yankees, and Dodgers to win. That they only care about us because, A, it was those three teams as opposed to, let's say, the Rangers, the Royals, and the Diamondbacks. They also don't care because there is a part of them, whether they want to admit it or not, and this is the baseball media, the baseball intelligentsia, uh, most baseball fans that think Houston doesn't belong in that conversation, that they don't have the history, that they don't, that they have a lack of appreciation for the city, it, all of this, those things, and it comes out. I mean, we're talking about one of the biggest perpetrators of this sort of myth being the city of Los Angeles, perhaps the most plastic and fake city on the planet. So, yeah, it's uh, it's funny to see it. And I'm glad that it's coming out because, again, it just is a reminder that I'm not crazy when I see that there is a bias against the city, that the, that the Houston Astros have been MLB's punching bag for almost its entire existence. From mocking the roof stadium, the dome stadium, to moving them around from division to division, for to scheduling... Uh, home games against the Cubs in Milwaukee. The list is long. It's distinguished. And if you want to know where H-Town versus everybody comes from, it isn't just about 17. It's about how we felt about the MLB 
since the Astros were first born into birth into existence. So, but there's good news. The Astros did tie the ALCS up at two. Uh, we've got a lot to go through, a lot to talk about, and Brian's coming up next. And now one of the smartest guys on Astros Twitter, the guy who researches everything and the guy still waiting for Terry Poole to keep coming through, Brian Arbor. And like I said, we are on with uh, Brian Arbor. Brian feels a lot different this morning, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. So let's let's go through first. Let's go through the the alternate reality that uh, Jeff Passan talked about. And, you know, I, I said in my opening, it's further proof that. Houston will never get the fair shake it deserves because there are lots of pitches we can all look to to say, well, if that strike call was maybe Garcia doesn't give up a grand slam or Grinky doesn't give up runs. And that's how baseball works. So why do we care about this particular one if we're the national media? Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, June Lee, who is a another ESPN reporter who has a much better article, you should read the June Lee article, which is much fairer than the uh, Jeff Passan article. Um, he had a he quote tweeted one of um, Passon's tweets last night about all the bad calls and said, yes, but the call on the pitch to Castro is only called a strike 23 percent of the time. So there is a 23 percent universe where that's called a strike and we're going to the bottom of the ninth and whatever. Right. But in the universe that we live in. It was called a ball like most of those pitches are, you know, um, most of those pitches are and. Castro then got a single and the Astros continued to rake and get guys on base and get to, you know, made a very comfortable bottom of the ninth for all of us. One of the things that I, that I, that I feel differently, because a lot of times it's happened this season, a bunch where they put up six, seven runs in the first two innings and then nothing for the last seven. It definitely feels better going into game five where you put up seven. They've been hitting the ball all series, right? It's just been finding gloves yeah. It felt definitely different to get a strong offensive performance at the end of the game versus the beginning. Yeah. And think how emotional we were between, I mean, just got, you know, pounded early in both games, two and three, and we're out of those games. And it felt a lot like that was going to happen in game four when um, uh, Bogarts hit that home run and hit it, you know, 5,000 feet or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He knew it was gone. You know, Grinky knew it was gone off that because he starts gesticulating. Uh, but actually, a real big key in that game was later on in that inning uh, when Bregman made the play at third base to get the screamer coming down there that would have been a double score, at least one run. Um, he was able to take care of that. That's the first time we've seen the Astros' defensive advantage in this series show up. And it's a really big play at the moment. And in context, uh, the bullpen then comes in, shuts the Red Sox down for the entire rest of the game. Even bigger play. Let's talk Greinke real quick. Excuse me. The ragweed in Austin, Texas right now is unreal. But um, it kind of feels like Greinke might just be, might be done. Um, he just, he's openly admitted he can't get anybody out anymore. Yeah, I mean, Grinky is sort of unusually honest um, in some of those assessments, and this is some ways makes him endearing. In some ways, it makes him different than most athletes who have irrational confidence, and that seems to be a key part of what they are. But uh, Grinky struck out like 6.9 batters per night inning this year, well below the league average of right about nine. It is the first year in his career when he's been significantly below league average, and his strikeout rate declined in the back half of the season when he started having worse performance. So, 
you know, there does seem to be clear effects of age on Zach Greinke, and they handled him like that yesterday. He went one time through the order. Um, he's usually pretty good against left-handed batters, but they didn't let him face Schwarber the second time through. Instead, brought Rayleigh in um, for that. And, you know, if we see him again this series, it'll be in a similar kind of, uh, you know, potentially middle-inning role um, or an opener type of role like we've seen where he goes in very sort of controlled environment. I do want to give props, you know, because we, you know, I'm hard on Dusty Baker. Um, I, I'm I'm not hard on him. I don't I don't really question managerial decisions, but I find him to be an odd duck sometimes. But he really did manage the heck out of that bullpen yesterday. Um, seemed to pull all the right levers, and I think it's funny that we're sitting here when you look at the ALCS, even compared to the DS, and say the bullpen's your strength right now, and. Um, you know, I don't know how, how I, I think you can get through the LCS using the bullpen this way. I don't know that you can get through a World Series, but we'll worry about that when we get there. But it, it is funny how much our perception on the bullpen has changed. Graveman lights out last night for two innings. Yeah. And Maton, who really sort of struggled uh, really throughout the season and the same issues we saw in uh, Cleveland, we saw in Houston, he had this high BAP. Uh, he continued to have a high BAP in Houston and has a career high BAP that seems really unusual and really strange. He has been excellent in this postseason. As you said, Graveman went two pretty comfortable innings last night. Um, and so, you know, thank Props to James Click because he got a he got some people in the bullpen at the trading deadline that have uh, really paid off here. Absolutely, and I think you know it goes to show just how baseball is definitely not a short sample size sport. Um, so one of the big things that that I think scratched heads, and I was texting to Alex Euclid. Shout out to Alex, who's a, a really big Dodger fan. Um, was the guy famously last year who, when he heard about my grandkid getting bullied, sent a bunch of Astros gear to him. Like it was really, really good dude. And we're texting back and forth. And he was like shocked that he brought Evaldi in um, and said he will get roasted the way Roberts got roasted for using Urias the other night. Did that, did that, was that a head scratcher for you? I mean, I expected it, particularly when Whitlock came in in the seventh inning. Um, figure, well, who are they going to use in their ninth? Whitlock's their best reliever. Who do they think is better? So, you know, it was a move that was telegraphed ahead of time. Uh, he was coming in. They've used Evaldi in the bullpen before. And, you know, it, it's, you know, I think these are one inning sample sizes. So, you know, this is just like the fifth inning he pitched uh, in Houston in game two, where he didn't have a really good inning. It just happened to be his first inning um, on the mound. So is he going to get roasted for it? Hey, in the playoffs, the moves that don't work out always get you roasted, whether they're the right move or not. Um, the, the thing to sort of note about that, I think, for Astros fans moving forward is the Red Sox don't have a lot of really good options at the back of their bullpen, particularly yeah. since Matt Barnes has imploded. He was an all-star in the first half of the season and then is not on the ALCS roster. That's sort of how far uh, he's fallen. And so he's trying to piece together a bullpen that doesn't have, that is weaker than the Astros bullpen. And having used Whitlock two innings yesterday, um, you know, I don't think we'll see Whitlock today, but raises a, raises a really big question of who will come out of the Red Sox bullpen and who do they have trust in. And um, we'll see. I expect we'll see uh, Tanner Houck uh, possibly for multiple innings and Hansel Robles would I think be their two best options today. Yeah, like and, they, the and they've got to hope that better. they have to hope that 2018 Chris Sale walks out of the 
walks onto the field than not what we've seen. Um, yeah. And, and I should note sale has been good since he came back from his Tommy Johns, uh, since he came back from the injured list, but has not gone long in just about any of his, uh, any of his starts in the regular season, even against teams like Baltimore, much less in a playoffs in a playoffs against a, a good hitting team like the Astros. So we'll see a lot of the, uh, the Red Sox bullpen today. All right, let's um let's talk then about let's 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 uh, tip a little bit. Uh Brett Strom uh pointed out that he thinks a lot of the Astros have been tipping um and that, you know, of course he points out perfectly legal and I think if you're an Astros fan accusing the Red Sox of cheating, you are exactly what's wrong with the internet and what's wrong with when humans are allowed to communicate equally. Um they are going to have as difficult a time trying to cheat as if the Astros would and I think that's such a a I hope that they're being sarcastic, but a lot of them have said, no, actually, I'm not. It's okay. But Brent Strom thought maybe we were tipping pitches. Is that something you think is possible? And then, therefore, how do we get that fixed? Um, sure, it's possible. I'm more surprised he said it publicly rather than just talking about it internally. Because um, it, you know, it never, I mean, it never looks good to say the other side, you know, uh, doing that. And it's sort of worse for the Astros in context. That being said, as you said, he doesn't think there's anything illegal with it. There's nothing that's, you know, nothing that's sort of it. And really what happens, particularly in the postseason, is that both teams study video exceedingly closely of the other teams to pick up these tells. Um, tells. So is that happening? Yeah, I assume the Red Sox are doing it. Is that legal? Absolutely. I assume the Astros are doing it too. How do you fix it? Uh, you try to be really, really careful with what you do. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm not a pitching coach, so I you know, don't have great advice to give Brett Strom other than, you know, he knows what he's doing and I would uh, expect he can figure things out much better than, you know, some guy who on a podcast. <laughs> I don't know about that, Brian, you can figure stuff out. Okay. So uh, going forward, then uh, we have Valdez today versus sale. Um, I have to think that that Valdez is going to look more like the Valdez we've seen all season and not the Valdez that we saw for um, a game. What, what an inning, like what an inning and a half, two um, and a th- two and a third, I think on the game. Third, one. Yeah. Yeah. I got to feel like he's, it's, he's going to be sharper today. Yeah. His history shows that he should be. Um, that being said, the Red Sox are a good offense. So it's obviously, you know, um, don't worry about. It. I will say this: the Astros have an advantage today in the late innings when it comes to their bullpen. You know, Presley went one inning yesterday. You expect him to give another inning today. Stanek didn't go. Uh, Mayton and Rayleigh went shorts. Uh, shorts nights. We won't see Grayman and we won't see Javier today. But other than that, I think the Astros have an advantage. The big issue for me is they end up needing to figure out someone to come in in the third or fourth inning. Because uh, I'm not entirely sure who that is. Odorizzi's probably still not available, having gone four innings in game two. Uh, Grinky's not available, having pitched yesterday. So, how they manage the middle innings, uh, the early to middle innings, is a big issue. The best way to handle the early to middle innings is get a really good start out of Fromberg, get him to go uh, five innings at least, and pitch like he has during the regular season. All right. So, I guess. Uh... What's your feeling? Are we heading back to Houston up 3-2, or do you think we're going to go down down 2-3? I mean, again, if we can keep the game close or take advantage early in the game, um, we have an advantage late with the bullpen. So, um, as always, the Astros have a better better offense than the Red Sox, barely, but, you know, uh, Matt. And one thing that's notable in this series is the Astros' defensive advantage and the Red Sox' poor defense has not shown up much. 
it showed up, although in the ninth inning, it showed up a lot. Like, yeah, there were three plays that the Red Sox could have made to stem the tide of that. What turned into a seven run inning. It could have just been a two or three run inning and they could have gotten back. So you're right, though. I mean, it does seem like the Astros hitting them hard at people. They're not coming up with them all of a sudden. Yeah, and that would be, uh, you know, again, the Red Sox have, I think, the worst or second worst batting average on balls in play in large part because their defense, particularly defense on the right side, on the uh, left side of their infield. Uh, Devers, neither Devers or Bogarts is a good defender. Um, that being said, they played really well, particularly Devers in this series. So, but hey, the longer sample size, the more likely true talent comes through, and the true defensive talent of the Red Sox is not as good. So, again, that may be an advantage we see today. More balls to the left side. Well, here's hoping we're talking about a day off going up 3-2. Brian, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks a lot, man. Go Strohs. Go Strohs. Thanks, James.